Hey, what's good, everybody? It's Cedric Warren here, your host of Said Talk. Get it like TED Talk, but it's me. A couple things. Welcome to the third episode in our South Carolina series. And tonight we'll be discussing the historical Low Country region, uh, which is one part of the 843 area code. Um, it is actually, 843 is actually covers a lot of the state. There's a PD region, which we'll talk about next week uh, as well. So it's actually been brought to my attention that are there are other area codes being uh, instituted in South Carolina. I've heard like 839 or 854, but I don't know what those are. I don't recognize those. There's only three. And uh, if you went to school when we did uh, for the guest on the podcast, you know three area codes and that's it. Uh, so as I recap, I mentioned on the first episode, we are divided into four different regions, three different area codes, upstate, Midlands, PD, and low country, 864, 803, and 843. Uh, low country made up of the following counties, Allendale, Berkeley, Beaufort, Charleston, Colleton, Dorchester, Georgetown, Hampton, Jasper. And I even seen in research that uh, an honorable mention is the Williamsburg County, but I've heard that's the PD. So I got a couple of guests with me today and uh, they all represent the Low Country 843 area code. Uh, so we will kick it off and let Miss Amethyst tell us who she is and where she's from. Um, I'm Amethyst. <laughs> I'm from North Charleston. Um, I had to specify North Charleston just so the people know. And I'm a chef and a food person, I guess. Nice. She uh she does some amazing work, by the way. I follow her on Twitter and she be cooking some good stuff. I can't taste it, obviously, but it looks good. It looks good. Thank you. Uh, and you're currently where? I'm actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. Nice. Nice. Cool. And uh, Courtney? Hey, my name's Courtney. I am from Pauley's Island, South Carolina. Um, and I'm currently in Columbia, South Carolina. And I work in finance, health administration um, for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Nice, nice. Uh, Jeremy Brown. Um, how you doing? I'm from uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. Uh, I currently am a small business, uh, small business underwriter, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. The low, low country, right? Low country. <laughs> The tip of the state. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Stefan, what's up, man? Hey, y'all. Um, it's Stefan Whaley. I go by Wade to Theta. I'm from uh, West Ashley, Charleston, South Carolina. Um, currently still living here in Charleston, in North Charleston. That's where I reside. Former educator of 11 years. Now I'm a restaurant lounge manager. Nice, nice. Appreciate y'all being on. And uh, so one of the things that I want to get into, uh, it's since you all mentioned uh, the different parts where you're from, this first kind of question will go towards uh, uh, Amethyst and Whaley. So talk about like Charleston and then the different parts of it, right? Because we got Charleston, you got North Charleston, you got West Ashley, right? And either one of you feel free to jump on this. There's so many areas, right, with the island. So just talk about like that geographical separation, what you know about it. Uh, most people just say, you know, if it's Charleston County, it's Charleston. If it's Charleston County, it is not Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that, but, um, but I mean, I guess Charleston and kind of South Carolina as a whole has always been interesting to me in that kind of way because it's like we go from like your st- a street to your neighborhood to your part of Charleston you're from and then you know all of Charleston County and then it's like Charleston County against Berkeley County or Dorchester or whatever like that or different parts um so it's like we all kind of different but we all connected at the same time yeah but I kind of also didn't even really think about it till just now where it's like People say Charleston, but that don't include everybody. Or like even just the eight four three is like the eight four three is not just Charleston, right? But a lot of people associated with that, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when when it comes to it, man, like Charleston is it's a pretty big area, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's like it's really like a tri county, but even in any place that says Charleston, I mean, that could be West Ashley, that could be downtown. The peninsula area. I mean, Charleston could be Daniel Island. Charleston could be James Island, Jones Island. There's so many different places, and like even even just here, 
as like people look at the low country as just one area man like it's it's like it's so many different areas just in charleston where cultures are different and they all and they all kind of merge and melt over together for sure for sure yeah i mean i uh I think for the longest, when I initially, being from Columbia, you hear about Charleston all through like elementary school, middle school, you usually take a trip every year. You go through like the touristy spots, uh, you hit like what, Folly Beach, those areas and stuff like that. Uh, So it was interesting as I got older and got to USC to meet people who were from the different parts of Charleston. And I realized that like, oh, Charleston isn't just like this downtown King Street area. It's so much more. Uh, So maybe talk about that too. Like when you got to USC, like did people really know much about Charleston? Like people obviously from outside of Charleston, if you told them where you were from, did they like understand it? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I know where that is. I've been there. Absolutely. Even if they had never been there, they recognize that <laughs> you just know people from Charleston when you see them or when you hear them. Usually, when yeah. I got to Carolina, it was refreshing too because I didn't know it was going to be like that. I had never even really been to Columbia, so when I got to Carolina, like I didn't know being from here was so you know what I'm saying was was so unique until you know what I'm saying I, I came here. True. Yes, I had a very similar very similar experience. Uh, I will say, I guess. My freshman year, I actually went to Claflin. So I got to experience like Chuck Fight Chuck and <laughs> all that. You know what I mean? So, but then also I went Wish. to USC I after. Okay. For me, me too. <laughs> so for me, going to USC right after that was just like, okay, complete, not, not, not like, not completely different because if you're from Charleston and you someplace else, especially like USC, you're going to probably know somebody else from Charleston there you know what I mean so it was a kind of a stark difference but at the same time I was like okay it's still kind of it's still family here everybody still knows somebody from Charleston like or like you said like you at least unheard of Charleston so cool so I want to dive into that because the next thing we're going to get into is the culture of the low country as a whole uh so just talk about (laughs) Chuck by Chuck uh the nicknames for Charleston, of course, uh, for people who are listening, oftentimes they call it the Chuck. Uh, so what do you know about Chuck by Chuck? I remember seeing flyers uh, in the Russell house. They were stuck in like the napkin holders for like their, I guess you could call them quote unquote probates or whatever. So just talk about what you know about that, either one of y'all. And anybody can jump in if you know about it, uh, Courtney and Jeremy too. Yeah, like I um I have a couple of people I know just from home from my childhood who, you know, I went to um South Carolina State and um and played Chuck Fight Chuck. I mean that's that's the extent of it that I know. I mean, it's just like it's more of like an HBCU experience. So like that's the kind of thing that, you know, I sadly I just can't relate to because I didn't go to HBCU. You know, my experience is just is, is Carolina in itself and I feel like even people who are from Charleston who went to Carolina, we kind of stuck together. We kind of knew each other. We kind of held each other down. Yeah. And we would hold each other accountable, too. Like, I mean, you couldn't just say you were from Charleston. You need to know what your zip code was. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because that makes a difference. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's what it was. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a name, like officially, like an official organization like Chuck Flat Chuck is at, at the HBCUs. Yeah. I mean, Charleston community was like its own, was its own thing in Carolina, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I I honestly didn't know they they had Chuck by Chuck at USC. So so you said just now. Yeah. It wasn't at USC. It was at State. Ah, got you, got you, got you. Yeah. I had just thought of flyers in there, so I assume I would have been the mascot for Chuck by Chuck. Oh, for sure, for sure. Carolina, what? For sure. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Whaley is. uh, We're gonna call him Mr. Geach for the longest man. So that's what. That's what it is. And listen, one of the reasons why I dulled my accent so much was because of Cedric Warren's older brother. Okay? <laughs> like, I've never been bullied by someone younger than me more than Justin Warren. He'll be like, on shortly. These uh, guys used to kill me, man. And like and, and that's why now like people some people like can't even tell I'm from here because I don't have it as, as strong. Because when I got to Carolina, like no, like nobody I hung out with when I first got to Carolina was 
you know, from Charleston. They were all older, like way older. So like I had to deal with people from Columbia with, with, with no with no culture in any tongue. Like it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's funny you say that because I thought Justin Warren called you a uh, Mr. Geach. They used to call me high class Geach. <laughs> I guess because they felt like right, girl. like Buford Geach was a little different than Charleston Geach, which in some senses yes. it is. But yeah, I, I was high class Geach. I don't I don't know why. Justin used to call me Beach Geach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I did. Beach Geach. I remember, and I'll never forget. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's hilarious. We, I want it, so I want to get into that too, uh, as well. And uh, Courtney, Jeremy Brown, since y'all are from you know the opposite ends of the Low Country as well, uh, most people, if they know about Geechee culture, they kind of again represent like they think about Charleston. But again, it's so much more. Not only just in South Carolina, it stretches along the coastal areas as well. Uh, so I will start with uh, Jeremy Brown and, and just kind of talk about what you know of Gullah Geechee culture as it is in Beaufort. And then Courtney, you can talk about the same thing uh, with it being from Polly's Island and then uh, Amethyst and Whaley jump in after that as well. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, so like where I'm from, it's, it's like we hear a lot about Gullah Geechee culture a lot more um, because St. Helena, Helena Island is like really close to, I don't want to say really close, but it's drivable where I'm from, and that's a lot of where the slaves originally reported in, you know, like places like Charleston. St. Helena is one of those places, so we have the accent, um, but because Buford is literally separated by so many bridges, so many bodies of water, you'll get a thick accent in one area, you'll get a not-so-thick accent in some areas, you'll get a non-existent accent in some, and then you'll kind of get a mix of it all throughout. So yeah, it's it, it permeates throughout South Carolina, throughout Buford, just in waves, really. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, Courtney, your experience kind of on your so end. For me, I feel like growing up in Pauley's Island, uh, the Geechee culture wasn't something that we got a lot of education about or knowledge about or something that was talked about a lot in Polly's. It wasn't until like I would go on trips or we spent a lot of time growing up in Charleston, sometimes like twice a month we would be there. And so we would of course, you know, hear about it, learn about it when we were there. There are some pockets, like some um, some ladies and some individuals that would go to my, my grandmother's church that would kind of like, you know, give us the rundown on the history or they had different customs um, and things of that nature where they would kind of teach us like on the fly about it. But it wasn't something that I really got to learn a lot about um, until or that I was exposed to a lot until I was at Carolina with, I guess, Charlestonians or, you know, friends that were from the area that were familiar um, with it. So that was my personal experience. It was something that I was aware of, but it wasn't something that was part of my uh, Polly's experience growing up, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting uh, that you, I mean, I, I knew nothing about it, really, um, growing up in school. And this kind of just tells you, you know, uh, the, I guess, focus of what education is or history is uh, in our schools. Obviously, we knew about Charleston, how it was a major slave port and like its importance, I guess, quote unquote, importance to the early days of our country um, as well. Uh, but we didn't hear much about what Gullah Geechee is. You have Gullah Gullah's Island. I think a lot of people have heard about that. Uh, so it was a... Uh, TV show that kind of showcased a little bit of it, but not to really get more information in school, I, th- I think is disheartening. I actually didn't hear anybody with a Geechee accent until I got to Carolina. Uh, and I was at a party and I just remember hearing somebody who obviously had too much to drink that night and they was talking to somebody and it was thick. And I was just like, I don't even understand what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. And I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not picking up what you what you putting down on me. So um, just real quick and before uh, Whaley and Amethyst get into it, um, I just want to read off from my listeners um, some stuff I found on line as well. Just talking about Gullah Geechee people, descendants of Africans, um, sea island plantations along the lower Atlantic coast, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Uh, So you've probably heard Rick Ross say Geechee or whatever, but a lot of people think 
is he really Geechee? But there are areas that is considered uh, for the Gullah Geechee as well. Uh, it's arts and crafts, food, music, language. Um, this site that I found said it started as a unique Creole language. Um, I'm not sure how true that is. I think when I think about Creole, I think about a kind of different uh, exposure uh, in the Louisiana area because there's a lot of French, Spanish, English, a lot more uh, culture mixed in with the Creole versus Gullah Geechee as it well. It might be a, um, a, a, a linguistic term. Yeah. Like uh, Creole meaning like just a mixture of dialects. Gotcha. Not necessarily yeah. regional, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say because when, when I, you know, when people actually teach it in schools, or I guess when I got to USC, and people would talk about Geechee and they would say Creole, I was like, oh, I don't know, that's a stretch. But like Waley said, I think it's more so just using that word um, to help people kind of understand what it is. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Waley, Amethyst, you know, just kind of your. Uh, thoughts and uh, experience learning or knowing about EG culture coming from Charleston, which a lot of people associate with kind of like the heart of it for South Carolina. Um, I guess for me, I had a I had a very similar experience to Jeremy and Courtney, whereas in different parts, parts of Charleston, you know, your accent is thicker. People's accents are thicker. Just like I could go on like Wamala or James Island and I can't understand them half the time, you know, or like people from downtown speak a little differently than people from North Charleston. Um, And I think in that same kind of breath, like we all kind of knew about it in Charleston, obviously, like it was just more so like a way of a way of life in a way. Like, you know what I mean? Like we weren't necessarily like straight up just taught about it. But at the same time, there were families that that do teach about it. Like I know families from off Mount Pleasant who's you know, family teaches them how to how to do sweetgrass baskets and other parts of the culture besides like the language or the food necessarily, you know. Um, but at the same time, too, like we weren't taught about it in school or, or what we were taught about wasn't anything necessarily good. Um, so that kind of changed as I got older and kind of just started having to learn more on my own. Yeah, I was I was definitely going to touch on that because we were not taught it in school. Um, <laughs> like, um, of course, in, uh, in our own schooling, um, we don't know what, you know, learning standards are and, and how all that goes about and how often they change. But um, once I actually uh, became an educator and I've been so for, um, for years and I realized, and I'm teaching now things, I'm teaching myself while teaching these students. Um, and that was like really eye-opening to me. So it really wasn't until I entered the classroom that I, as an educator that I was able to really educate myself on on what the culture was um, outside. I mean, because again, it wasn't until I got to, to college that I realized we were so different. Um, and that there were people from, you know, the neighboring uh, neighboring counties in the low country that, that had, you know, similar experiences, similar unique uh, traits about them pertaining to, you know, what they like to do, customs, but especially dialect. So, um, you know, when you're immersed in it, when you're of it, you don't, you don't really see yourself um, the way that until you, you know, have an opportunity to step outside. And, that, and that's a good point, Willie, because like I said, in Beaufort, you know, they have like the Gullah Festival. Um, they have uh, Penn Center. Like I said, St. Helena. So as a kid, we are doing those things and that's, it's kind of teaching in a way, but like you said, we are in it. So you're just thinking, oh, this is what normally, this is normal people, this is normally what they're doing. They're not teaching me anything differently. But as I got older and I started meeting other people, I'm like, oh man, a lot of people didn't get this. They don't really know too much about it. They know the accent. Um, They know about some of the things, they don't really know all of it. So that that was a good point. Cool, cool. I appreciate that. Um, So being from, uh, the low country area talk about like your uh, well before I get to that I got to ask this question as we were talking about dialects and stuff like that we're going to stick on the uh, topic of culture and language of course so uh, as I got to Charleston I heard a lot of different terms I mean excuse me as I got to USC people from Charleston had a lot of different terms one of them was mixing or mix 
What my favorite word? What is that? Talk talk about talk about uh, the just the the Charles like the the local terms that you use. Uh, and I think Amethyst, I think you saw I saw you talking about this on Twitter the other day too. Uh, so just like mixing and everything else you got. Mix mix is my favorite word because you can use it in so many ways, right? Like absolutely, you being real mixy. That's my little mix. Y'all boy trying to mix up what the mix is like, uh-huh. and they all mean different things. Like why you being real mixed up over there? Like <laughs> so, I I personally love mix. That's one of my favorite words. Um, but yeah, I was talking about it on Twitter the other day because we don't. I mean, like every city has its, or every region or whatever has their own colloquialisms, I guess, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like they all have their own little sayings and, and whatever, but like Charleston is like, like where we get Bunky from? Or like, like I said, Nanny, Nanny's one of my other favorite ones. Like who was like Nanny to, to do doo like, Right. Who came up with that? But well, Nenny, that's my that's one of my favorite words. I say Nenny all the time. Slam. Um, just I mean, so many different things that like I say that I don't really even notice that other people don't say. Even like jokey. Like I'm starting to see more people say jokey now. But it's like, oh, I never really seen nobody say jokey outside of Charleston. Kind sure, of that's that's recently. us. Then. Yes. So, but like little stuff like that. But I mean, our language is so like unique. But it's like, like I said, like where do we? Who said Bunky first? Like who said that? But I <laughs> Who's know a the lot founder of, our words, of Bunky. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know a lot of our words go back to how closely re- related we are to like the Bahamas, and they have a word really similar to Bunky that means the same thing it means for us, right? But it's still like, how how did that still come about to mean that? But I know mix up is one of my is one of my favorite terms. Definitely, my favorite term is in it. Uh, or, or any, or any, and I think like all, that's the whole little country. I think the whole little country say in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think jokey was probably the one of the first terms that I heard. Uh, and then mix was probably number two. Uh, one of my LBs is from Charleston. I remember when I met him, we were actually playing uh, flag football, but like he would talk whatever and we would just be talking about stuff and he would use mix in the term of like referring to a female or something like that you know what i'm saying like or, or lady that he knew or whatever um jokey was the other one if you clowning or something like that um and stuff like that um for buford Polly's island is there anything specific for y'all too or like he said in it is kind of like all throughout the low country as well and see, I feel bad when it comes to like phrases and stuff because I did as a kid anyway. I didn't really try to learn too much of the slang. Like, I mean, I, I'll say stuff, and I guess people from where I'm from will understand it. But I like like Bunky and that kind of stuff are in it. Um, but mix was something I learned when I got to college. I didn't know that was a <laughs> a low country term. Um, things like fixing or um, how you mean, like them kind of things, but right. Right. We, I, we didn't really have slang that I knew of. It was just normal language. How you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Polly's was, like, I don't feel like I have words that are necessarily Polly's Island, like, words or colloquialisms or whatever. I feel like a lot of it's been trans, like things that have been transferred from other parts of the state that kind of fit in my mind that I've picked up over time. So like my dad says Nanny all the time, but he's talking or Nanny all the time, but he's talking about body parts on a woman. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to I think how y'all use the term. Or for me it's like a lot of like stories or a lot of the things that, that make me think about home or that I grew up around have a, have a lot to do with like food and the beach. Like beach, that beach. was our that is our only <laughs> that is our sole industry driver in Poly. That like we have one main highway, seventeen, that is it. There are maybe ten stoplights now. There might have been five when I was growing up. And we don't really span that far. So I mean like the full like experience of Polly's is like the ocean and golf. Really. Yeah. 
until maybe recently. Um, just totally small town, small beach town, USA. But it's weird because it's like, I feel like Polly's is this place where they want to stay small town forever. And I fully support that. I think you've got to have a couple of pockets that remain, you know, just kind of relaxation zone. For sure. But it's weird because at the same time, it's not like you're going to see a whole bunch of beach huts. These are like multi-million dollar homes sitting right. on the ocean. So like you, on one hand, you want to be like, you want this idea that we're a whole bunch of beach shacks, that people are just chilling and doing whatever they're doing all day. And then on the other hand, there's like all this related industry in Polly. So I don't, that is my, like my, what the experience that I pull from in Polly that I guess differs a little bit than maybe a place that has so much history. Polly has the history, don't get me wrong. Georgetown County has it there. But I just feel like Charleston is just drowning, overflowing in the history. Yeah. And that they kind of, it's a daily experience. I feel like. But you know, I kind of, I kind of, like as I've gotten older, I kind of wish that I could have gone to live on an island. Like, and really, cause like you, like, like you said, like we have our own little quirks or whatever, but like, just from what I've come to know now, I, that, that, that lifestyle would have been completely different. Like, and I, I think that's something I would have loved to be able to experience. Cause like, that was just like, everything is just normal. Like that was normal for y'all. But like, like you said, it was kind of like put on display more so in Charleston, I guess. So it's authentic, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I know on the islands, especially, it's, it's so much heavier, so much deeper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, again, it's fascinating. So I, I live in Indianapolis and here, I, you know, my girlfriend's from Northwest Indiana, outside of Chicago. And like here they have like a few terms, whatever, um, or whatever. And it's, but I, I constantly explain to her like the, like I, I call it just the beauty of South Carolina and the differences in each region, whatever. Uh, so our word for the Midlands, you know, I'm from Columbia, uh, all through there. People say Bo. And just like you were wondering where did Bunky come from? I'm trying to figure out where Bo come from. Like who just started calling people Bo? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I've had people, I don't say it much here. Uh, I do realize I say it when I'm talking to homeboys from back home, when I answer the phone real quick, you know, so if somebody calls and they say, what's up? I'm like, what up, Bo? And then, you know, we keep going. So uh, I want to get into more of the culture too, as well, because again, uh, I think each one has its own experience. First question is who got the better geech? Is it high class geech? Is it beach geech? Or is it the OG geech? That's not even a question. <laughs> I, was, I can be honest and say, I think Charleston's uh, Charleston dialect is by far the best because it's it's so it's rich. It's like it's it's kind of untampered with. Yeah. So when you go to Charleston, you know that person's from Charleston. Um, the only reason why I didn't give it to Buford is because Buford is so uh, mixed now. I, the word now today is gentrified. Yeah. So it's like so much. Um, so much of the culture is being lost because people are moving out or they're being moved out, and so you don't you don't have that same richness that Charleston has. So I, I definitely give it to Charleston. Yeah, so I agree. I definitely would give it to Charleston. You know, Polly's is technically, I guess, Low Country slash what Grand Strand. Grand Strand, yeah. Yeah, moving into Ori County, and so like we're kind of on the cusp of Georgetown, Ori, and I, I, I would say that like you you I think you lose a lot of the dialect moving into Follies and into Myrtle Beach. And I think Charleston hands down went back. That's what's up. We'll give it to but y'all. now the question is, who in Charleston? <laughs> who got, okay, got so. The, got the, the, the deepest beach. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the real question. So we might have to do some. Monk, Monk's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> the hottest corner. <laughs> the hottest corner. As I love I've, Monk's Corner. There's awesome folk there. Oh, but, man. Nah, nah I, I mean, I would say, I say, to me, is 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 downtown. And um and like it's it's downtown, but like the thing about it is we got like two countries in Charleston. We got like the we got like the Hollywood like Red Top country, and then we got the the Onda like no it's three. We got the Onda country, 
And then we got like the huge country, like you know what I'm saying. So we really got three. And when you mix that Gucci with that country shit, like it's like man, like they 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 fit. I I don't understand those people. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually I have a homeboy who's from Collington County, and he like has family. Yeah, yeah, Walterboro. Walterboro area. Like he has family mm-hmm. all throughout, and. Like he is country is grits. Like it is un- in yep. Uh it is insane. So like he would be talking sometimes and I'd be like, Johnny, you gotta slow down because like I don't understand what you're saying right now. Because it's a mix of this deep, like country southern accent with that like Geechee uh accent in there too. So that's interesting. Um, all right, so food. Uh, we have a chef on here, so I want to talk about this too. Um, how do you make a proper low country boil, and what is it? <laughs> you taking notes, in? It went no good because I because I saw we put that on. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. It was mad. It was real big mad because people was mad because I say you don't put no broccoli. And you could put eggs. I don't care for eggs in my low country pool. That was me. That's what I said. I said broccoli. me personally amethyst. What? Man, listen. People put in broccoli. Somebody said they don't see carrots. Some people. Somebody said they seen a cucumber in there. I was like, no, man. But somebody had no. to put a carrot. So I mean, that sounds like for, a gentrified I mean, low country boil. Um, you know, you need your scrub. You know, you need your crab. You will have to have crab. Crab plus if you got it. You know, you corn, your tater. Um. <laughs> And whatever little, you know, but 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 when you put broccoli those in it, shrimps, it's like, why sausages? would you put, Yeah, little sausage, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, but when you start wanting to throw broccoli in them and all that, it's just, why? Yeah. Broccoli? That sounds terrible. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I've had low country boil, uh, and all it was in it was really a lot of the things you mentioned was the corn, the sausage, the shrimp, because they had it. Uh, I didn't have crab because it was expensive for the person who was making it. So that's what I had. So that's what I my kind of, you know, thought of what low country boil is. But I've seen people like try to mimic it or whatever. It's a couple of restaurants here. Uh, it's a place called Chef Oya's The Trap. Uh, really good food, uh, but I think it's more a little more on the Cajun side. But uh, yeah, I mean, and it's and it's similar, you know. Yeah. It's not and it's not rocket science. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Not, it's, it's not at all. Of, it's just a couple of different things, but I mean, it's similar to like you know jambalaya or whatever like that. Yeah. Similar, but it's not it's not rice based. You know what I'm saying? Like it's really. You know, it's really just a stew because a lot of times those those scraps, those missing little things, is, is all our ancestors had that was given to them. So they sure. figured out a way to, to to use the spices and stuff that they had, the beer that was laying around. You know what I'm saying? And put it all together, heat it up, and like that's what it is. That's why like a lot of soups and stews are so like particular to the little country. But I I had to chef go ahead and explain Oh no 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 you I mean you was on it. The only thing I was gonna say is like my my biggest thing, especially now that I've moved to other places, like even okay, out here in New Mexico, this is a landlocked state. I'm not going to a restaurant that has a seafood boil on their menu. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So and that's the, and that's the thing I was trying to get people to understand and people were getting so upset. I was like, listen, I don't I don't really care about how you do it originally. I do care because this is my job. You know what I mean? So I care. I care about your opinion or whatever. But when I said specifically low country boil, I didn't, we don't talk about broccoli. You know what I'm saying? So, and we talk about the other biggest thing is, it's fresh. It's it's all fresh. I could go to, to Louis, the, the, the fish man on the corner of D Road, I don't know if he did no more, and go get something he caught hours ago it's and make there. oil. You know what I'm saying? He's so, still there with it. <laughs> I say he's so, still right there. Right. So I can go to Louis, you know what I'm saying? I can go to Marvin's or whoever and get something fresh. And that's the biggest thing. Like that's what makes it special and important for me. I can get it someplace else. I can go to Whole Foods and buy some crab legs if I if I really want to go do that. You know what I mean? But to know people or like even going going being able to go crab and get the crab ourselves or go shrimping and go get it ourselves and put it in the boil, like so people got really upset about it. It is like, it's completely different. It's a completely different culture than, than what you might have as your seafood boil in New York. You know what I mean? So 
whatever they got mad. New York. It's funny that you say that because even just being in Columbia, not even far from Polly's or Charleston, people get offended here when I say, you know, I really don't, you know, I don't really go to your restaurant and eat your seafood here. Not that's not what I'm going for. Like I'll go home for that. Like because I because here it's not fresh, like you said, or it's just prepared weirdly. And and it's funny because it's not even that far away. The biggest um, difference I would see is when I lived in Pensacola for a couple of years. That's when I realized like everybody doesn't do their seafood the same. Right. I, don't I, didn't, even, I didn't even realize red rice was just like a Charleston thing. Like really, I didn't even realize that. It really is. I made it for a potluck once, and it was like mind blown. Yeah, and mine was. I thought that was universal southern, like. Right. I thought it was. Us. I thought it was easy food, like red rice, like red rice and beans. Like I thought it was normal. People were like, no, I've never seen red rice. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> when you order red rice and you get like, red, you get red beans and rice, red beans right? And rice. You get Spanish That's, rice, Mexican yeah, Spanish rice. rice. I was about to say that, but all them things in it, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vegetables. <laughs> Vegetables. I'm so shocked at broccoli in the boil. Put that in broccoli in the boil. Yes, it ain't gonna hold up. It ain't gonna hold up at all. I guess it's 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 color. <laughs> that's what it's for. They doing color. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's weird. That's weird. Uh, especially the carrots piece. I don't. Nah. That's weird. Um, we talk about rice, and I yeah. I love rice. Now, my my family does not have any like birth ties to the state of South Carolina. Uh, my parents are from Virginia. My dad is from the Hampton Roads area, uh, which is right on the coast of Virginia. So seafood, very fresh there. Uh, my mom's from Mississippi uh, as well. Uh, I think you have some of the best catfish coming out of Mississippi, Tennessee area, but that's just my opinion. Um, but rice is such a staple in so many dishes here. Um, and obviously because it was one of those cash crops here down in the low country. Uh, but do y'all like rice as much as I do? Cause I love it. Like I, I, it probably baffles my girlfriend's mind how often I could eat rice as a base, like rice and chicken, throw some stew on top of rice, throw some vegetables on top of rice and I'm good to go. Yes. I love it. I love it. It's funny cause you're not living in Atlanta. So my friends here, they're, they're from here or like from around here, but not from South Carolina. And so they'll laugh because anytime I go grocery shopping, I get like the biggest bags of rice. Get some rice. And like there's no way in the world you will eat that much rice. And I'm like, bro, I eat rice almost every meal. Mm-hmm. Almost every meal I eat rice. It's, it's amazing. amazing. My dad has been going wild recently because he eats rice every day. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like I don't really care if you made spaghetti. If it's dinner time, my dad has to have rice. And so, you know, with the pandemic or whatever, it's been short in the store. So he literally was calling me the other day, like, you gonna have to mail me rice. That's right. <laughs> you got to mail me some rice. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I do have four bags of rice in my cabinet right now. <laughs> so, what's I, the pounds on the rice? Is it one like small bags or? Uh, I have probably a five pound and another three or one pound. It's real. Yeah. yeah. It's real. I rice eat a lot of rice. Rice. Especially during the pandemic, like I feel like this this is when low country food kind of thrives because it's all meant to last for a long, long time. Right. So yeah. it, it exactly. all yeah. So all y'all eating right? And my co host says join. <laughs> That's all low country eaters, right? <laughs> That's And the co-host has joined, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're uh, undeniably problematic, but also very great host. Justin Warren has joined us. Uh, so, what's up, Jet? What's going? Yeah. So we we are Continue. yeah we are in the midst of just talking further about the culture again we were getting to food um and again uh, the rice being such a staple again because it was such a catch crop whaley you so eloquently mentioned about how and, and jeremy brown too how this food is made to survive how it was uh as as slaves in during the time they were using what they had to basically survive as well so uh again there's so much culture again connected to where we are I tell people all the time, like, you can't talk about the history of this country without talking about South Carolina. Like, we are a staple within it. Do we always have a lot of dumb shit coming through the TV? Yes, we do. But for the most part, like, 
we out here producing dope people and good things uh, as well. So uh, let me keep scrolling through my list. Uh, let's talk about this music. Okay, so we got into uh, the music in Colombia and around the 803 area as well. Uh, 864 didn't really give us much, um, but you know we talked about a few things and kind of just their experience of hearing music when they got to USC. But the Charleston music, man, y'all got some bangers. I'm not gonna lie, and it used to set it off at every party. Some bangers at, <laughs> at USC. So. Uh, talk about that music culture, man. Mr. Taylor and everybody else. Uh, I got my 45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And again, I had to jump in this out. feel so bad because, you know, I'm from Buford. We didn't have that. So the only thing, the, the music we listen to, and this is going to sound bad, we're talking about South Carolina, but it would be artists out of Savannah. Like we kind of more so heard Georgia music because we're so close. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to USC that I heard more Charleston music, and I was like, "Oh man, like we had all of this." And oh, yeah. Georgia music, so yeah. Yeah, man, Mr. Taylor, Petrino, Dino, Double Cross, Killer Skip, Molly Ma. You know, like we just, we just blessed, man. Damn. Blessed. You know, who, who does? So who the guy that do the big mix song? That was um, that was Hollywood and Troy, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Hollywood mm-hmm. and They um, oh man, they're doing great now. They like, I mean, they sell real estate and stuff. Man. Oh, nice. What yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole completely new music and like new scene in Charleston. Wow, yeah, absolutely. It's so so different. Like I hear, I hear some songs, some artists that are very obviously like Geechee, right? But then I hear a lot of people now who I know are from Charleston, but they don't really maybe portray their accent or their culture as much through their music but at the same time i took to say that maybe not to say the culture as much but they don't they don't sound like they're from charleston like like when you would hear mr taylor or pacino dino like or kill a skip like you know they're from charleston you know what i mean so the music scene now for me is completely different so i listen to um chris kaylin i think so she puts up playlists of like new charleston music and stuff like that so that's the only way i even can keep up with what's going on now. It's completely different. Do the new Charleston people sound like all this other new rap now? Or are they or is it different? Yes and no, man. Um yeah. certain things are trendy of course. So maybe maybe a maybe a rhyme scheme or, or a cadence or a pattern or something like that. But the sound, the way we the way we make music and the way we is because it's it's the way we talk. You know, we just talk so different. We we just you know, saying process things different. So of course, the way the music is going to come across when we write it is going to be is going to be unique. You know, and there's just a certain type of thing, a certain a certain tempo, a certain BPM that down here just works, and is and is what we like. But um, it's still unique. You know, what I'm saying I wouldn't say Charleston artists sound like anybody else but us. What does look ya mean? <laughs> what does sound like it mean, man? Pay attention. But look, I feel like y'all use it in so much, so many other things. Again, it's almost like mixed. It just depending on the the context. It can be. It can mean. It can mean pay attention, or it can mean like physically come here. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. It could also mean, um, you know, it can mean, hey, you're like, you know, you're about to get on my nerves now. Like, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm about to get with you to say, like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's the inflection. How you say it? Look, yeah, no. Look, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, the music, man. I again, USC exposed me to a lot of different things because being from Columbia, uh, you just heard, I, I remember hearing like Columbia specific music, a few you know DJs and stuff. They would drop stuff. Uh, and but getting to USC, going to those parties and hearing that music and just see people like lose their mind as soon as like any of those artists came on, it was crazy. Uh, so talk about the the what y'all throw up when y'all uh, when them songs come on. 
I throw out my hands. Don't shoot. The- <laughs> I'm, about to say, I'm so unaffiliated that people throwing stuff. I'm like, wait, is, am, I, am I okay or should I should I be walking towards the door myself? I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't have anything for y'all on this topic and polys unless y'all are trying to learn to shag. <laughs> That's all we got. The shag. Charleston too. <laughs> That's it. I must be the only one because I show I will show throw up my um. My little M's, okay, that money making. Money making. All right. So, yes. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, man. Dub's going in the sky. West Cash. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, when being from low country area, you know, your different counties and stuff like that, and and making a decision to eventually come to USC, like, what was your kind of experience coming to Columbia, being there for, you know, that time period? Uh, compared to being in Charleston. I mean, Charleston is still a you know, larger city, but what was your kind of your uh, thoughts on Columbia and the upstate too? You know, so Greenville, Spartanburg area. Dry. <laughs> Dry, man. Like I was just, I, I just, you know, like I said, man, like being in Columbia taught me that I was from someplace special. You know, like that's what it was. The first, the first brother I met when I got to Carolina, um, you know, what I'm saying DJ Gooch, like he, like he's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So like we're like so opposite in the way we talk, in the way we move, in the way we dress. Like everything was so different, and like you know, it kind of just taught me to one. Like once I like got over it and stopped being offended, like you know what I'm saying, because I am sensitive. This is what it is. But um, <laughs> once I got over that, like I was like, okay, like I'm really learning more about me, and it makes me want to be me times a thousand because now I realize that it's interesting. Anybody else? Um, for me, like I said, I guess obviously it was a little different since I did go to Claflin first. So I did get, I, well, I know a lot of people in Orangeburg and I knew a lot of people when I got to USC. A lot of people I already knew from Charleston. Granted, I went to three different high schools in Charleston. You know what I mean? So yeah. I knew a little bit of everybody and USC is so big. It's just like you're, like I said, you're bound to to know somebody from Charleston some kind of way. Or if you don't know them and they from still from Charleston, you probably will somehow get associated with them. Um, so I I went up there at least knowing people, um, and people knew I was from Charleston. But like I, I was kind of dry. Like I had a great time. I love USC. I'll go back. I wish I could sometime, you know. But right. it was kind of dry in the grand scheme of things. Like I would still go home on weekends. Or you know what I mean? Like I wasn't really trying to trying to I wasn't trying to mix up too much in Columbia, like unless I was working or in or in school. So for me it was a little a little dry. I, I feel like I would have probably had a better experience at, at Claffiner State if I would have stayed there. So for me, I so there was only 110 of us in my graduating class. It was small. Of that, there were like 20 of us that were black. So coming to Carolina, coming to Columbia, it was like the most black people I had ever seen in my life in one, in any collection of spaces. So it was a whole new experience for me as far as like seeing a whole lot of yourself and being able to find comfort in that and also being able to, I think like driven in a different kind of way um, in a more, uh, I guess I would say like collegial type way, like we're all about to win, we're all getting this, let's, like, let's get it together, as opposed to being really competitive, like having to like be out there on your own, stand in my own and calling, even though like I was very connected to all my classmates and I love them and that's who I knew coming in. Like everybody I knew coming to Carolina except for um, what ended up being my roommate, Zadra, all the other people I knew from home were white. And that was awesome too because I got to experience their experience in Carolina. But um, for me, it was like a, I got to learn a whole lot more about myself. Taking some of the courses that I took, um, you learn that you didn't learn anything about your own culture back home in school. And um, then, similar to what Seven said, I learned that like home was special. Like Polly's was special. And if I live where people vacation, I need to be more appreciative of that. Um, 
So I, I try to live like that a little bit more. And I just flattened the ocean. So like Columbia was cool, but it's like, there's no water here. And like Lake Murray, that's not water. Like, get that out of here. Um, so, so for me, it's like, oh, we have the lake, you have nothing. Um, so that's my Columbia experience. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, I'm, I kind of am like all in, like, I kind of wish I knew how special where we, where I was from, you know, before going to college, because we, I code switched so much uh, initially going to college, because I'm trying all to, time, you know, not trying to sound dumb or uneducated or, you know, just trying to kill that stigma that comes from being from the low country that I kind of pushed a lot of the stuff that, that was kind of dope, that was super dope, that now, anywhere I go, I say one word, and everybody like, oh, boy, where you from? And then I'm telling them all from Buford and I got to, you know, do this whole thing. So I wish I had known that prior to going to college instead of getting there and then meet people like Whaley and C. Murray and all these people and say, oh, like, there's people like me who just as smart as me, um, who, who actually is thinking in mind, uh, you know, doing a damn thing from the low country. So I, I wish I had learned that earlier in life. For sure. That's good. Dude, so now that you're in the professional world, uh, and when you were coming out into the professional world, even just being at USC too, did you find yourself? I know you talked about coach switching at Carolina, but you know, getting out, leaving South Carolina, did you happen to suppress some of that too as well? Um, some of your accent, some of that. Did you feel like you had to do that? Nah, I think by the time I graduated, that whole idea of. Um, saying words differently or saying having different sister structures than some people uh dictating your education level by the time i got you know graduate i was like nah i don't care if you, if you can't understand how i'm speaking i'll clean it up you know of course for some people i'm just like i'm trying to make you understand what i'm saying so i'll clean it up to make myself understandable but as far as thinking it's not acceptable or trying to take it out of my professional lingo not so much I was kind of lucky, man. Like, um, right out of college, my first, my um, my job offer was for teaching in Charleston at the school that was downtown in the peninsula. That was ninety nine percent African American by people who lived in the peninsula. So it was, you know, it was a way for me to kind of, you know, uh, you know, reclaim my time, if you will, or or or, or uh, reinvigorate me um, with my culture because. You know, when I was at Carolina all that time, and I just, you know, was suppressing it like half the time. So, like, you know, I became probably the most geeky I've ever been in my life when I came back to Charleston and started teaching. True, true. A uh, couple more questions, and then we'll wrap up. I have a question. Uh, do y'all know okay you probably do but at usc i don't think i met any white people from charleston I, and i'm being like full-fledged honest like most of the white people i knew were not from south carolina they were generally from like ohio new jersey there were there was a lot of out-of-state people and if i did meet white people they're probably from the upstate so i didn't know too many people so <laughs> Uh, I guess because I've been to Charleston too and I've been to like the Mount Pleasant side I've been to the more uh, the affluent side of course uh, in those areas but I really did not know too many white people who came to Carolina from Charleston I'm sure they're there but I just didn't know. Did y'all did y'all happen to know people? Oh yeah, they exist. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, I know. Well, it was like <laughs> about seven thousand of us and thirty thousand of us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my roommate, my roommate was a white girl from Charleston. So yeah. mine was a white boy from Somerville. <laughs> So, yeah, they there. They 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 everywhere. <laughs> yes. We were the we were definitely like. I, I laugh at it now, but even back then, I didn't really think about it. like there was literally a black USC and a, and a white USC. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So it's like yeah. we say that, but like for real, like like you said, but there's people who I went to like high school and middle school with in Charleston, and I really didn't have too much uh, to say to them once we got to college, especially once we got to USC. Obviously, like they might have joined sororities or fraternities or whatever. Their lifestyle was a completely different lifestyle than, the, than we had for Black USC. So. Yeah, for sure. Was one cat I was cool with, white dude I was cool with ever since like uh, like middle school. And um, we was, went to middle school together, high school together. He, um, he played football, that was his name. 
and um, he started playing rugby at Carolina. And like, you know, and I saw him randomly come across Beach Bridge. And um, we talked, you know what I'm saying? He said he was playing rugby, man. I ain't seen JB since, man. Do white people from the areas y'all from, is their culture different from white people in the other parts of the state? Like, cause we know y'all culture is different from black people in the state, but what about the white people that are from the low country and the beach areas? Oh, they, they on that Southern hospitality stuff hard. Like what was in that, um, um, it was like a reality show about the Ravenels. You know what I'm talking about, Anthony? I do know Southern what you're talking about. Yeah, like a lot of them are like that. Like, okay, like, that's how a lot of them, the seersucker suits. Like, mm-hmm. that's like a that's a real that's a real Charleston. You know what I'm saying? Plantation owner. You know what I'm saying? Vibing type thing. Like that's what they used to do. That's how they give it up. But then you know you got the you got the mudding culture. You know what I'm saying? The, um, the swamp people culture, they, they exist around here too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the white people back home where I'm from, I feel like it was a, like maybe their moms and dads were that kind of what Stephanie uh, was talking about kind of style. But they kind of had a cross between like fishing and mudding and tubing, and they were always on the river or crabbing or doing whatever. Everything was water based for us because the beach is so close. Like I feel like in Charleston, you have to travel to the beach. Unless you live directly on it, they probably like right. Yes. Yeah, Highway 17 hugs it. So literally, like I would come home from school sometime and and drive to the ocean to stick my toes in for like two seconds. Right. So it it's so everything was that. So I feel like it's some kind of it was a little bit more a little bit more casual than the Ravenels, I would say. Right. Yeah, so we got this thing in Beaufort, but we got like that. Um, like I said, Beaufort is, is so spread out. You got like downtown historic Beaufort, which is more so that southern white kind of draw type thing. So it's it's always weird when I see somebody from Beaufort. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting interesting thing. <laughs> interesting. I would say for for me, Charleston, something that. I didn't think I really realized until, again, something I got a little older, but I had an uncle who said that in Charleston, white people aren't blatantly racist or nasty to you. I mean, you have them, obviously, right? Just like anywhere in the world. But people in Charleston will ignore you before anything else, right? So they will ignore your complete existence. <laughs> and, but And I see that same thing even with like the tourists or people who come you know, from out of state, right? They completely ignore the culture except for the parts that are... Um, you know, for good for them, you know, or whatever. So for me in Charleston, that was like a lot of the experiences. Like we could be best friends with plenty of the the white kids growing up in Charleston, but like I also know that I couldn't go to some of the houses, or that you know they might be listening to Gucci Man like we do, but you know they're they they probably said N word too. You know what I mean? Oh, you so, know they do. Like, it's a very, you know they do. Very weird dichotomy. <laughs> you know they do. <laughs> But yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just a weird like they they it's like they wanna be your friend. They they know how to play nice really well, but you know at the end of the day, like, this is still Charleston. This is still the the, the place literally built by slavery, that these same families that own slaves is still there, still running Charleston. So you still have that kind of like, okay, I see y'all playing nice right now, but I know in the back of my head that I can't trust you, treat you any type of way or whatever. You know, I can't treat you any differently necessarily. That was my experience. Yep. Yeah. Have y'all seen that show on Netflix, The Outer Banks? Have y'all watched that? I've heard about it. I heard they said they shot some of it down here, but um. I, I and I was wondering about it too. I haven't been to the Outer Banks, so I don't know how much of they shot it there. Of course on the coast of North Carolina in that beach area. But I when I looked at it I was like, this feels like a low country type area whatever and it's interesting that you mentioned like the mudding fishing on the river type white people because that show really showed that dichotomy between those two people uh groups of white people where it was like you know you had your local people who ran the restaurants they cooked they did the fishing they did uh all the tourist stuff they ran the hotels and then you had the people who eventually came down there bought land built these multi-million dollar houses um, and then start to claim like this is where we're from you know, and stuff like that. Uh, so that's interesting too. Uh, that was a good question. 
as well. Uh, just want to note some famous people from the Low Country. Uh, one of the top selling country artists, Mr. Darius Rucker, is from Charleston, South Carolina. Same high school. Oh, nice. Uh, Stephen Colbert. Spent some time down there. Shinola Hampton. She is an actress on Shameless uh, as well. Stephen Colbert was in a Glee Club at Port of Gap. Yep. <laughs> uh, Robert Quinn. Robert Smalls. Uh, we all know about the story of Robert Smalls. Very interesting story, of course. AJ Green is from the Low Country area, Somerville. Uh, Mr. Carlos Dunlap, another famous athlete. I made it to the league. You got the College of Charleston down there, Charleston Southern, MUSC. Uh, our alma mater has a satellite campus down there in the Low Country of Beaufort. And then we also have the Citadel as well. Um, so I think one of the last things I want to ask, too, is just about a Seymour, you can probably talk more to this as far as because you're closer this way. But like the Grand Strand, uh, how much of that do you know about like that? I Like it's a term I've heard, but I haven't heard like too much about it. So the Grand Strand is for me, it's pretty much from I would say the bridges in Georgetown, so that little, like we're on the tail end of Georgetown County. So you have the bridges in Georgetown and then Polly's, and then it goes right into Horry County. So from the bridge in Georgetown into Horry County. So Polly's, Litchfield, Myrtle's Inlet, Surfside, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle. And I just, it's complete. So with the exception of maybe Polly's, the rest of it's just like tourist city. So Myrtle Beach, Conway, Dirty Myrtle is just tourist village. A lot of locals, but a lot of Dirty you know, Myrtle tourists that come in and out of there um, for vacationing. It's just like the home of the Lazy River in Myrtle Beach. And so Grand Strand is, I would say, probably a couple of miles inland from 17 over to the coast. And it just kind of hugs that coast of South Carolina up to North Carolina from that bridge in Georgetown on up. And, you know, you get to certain parts of the Grand Strand and there's gonna be a Wings and an Eagles selling t-shirts every other street corner. You get to some areas and it's all small, tiny beach houses, really, really tight communities. Um, I would say the food's amazing up and down the Grand Strand, not like Charleston amazing, but it's got its own vibe. And um, that is really like the traffic difference is so big. So like up until I would say probably October to March, dead in the streets. Like you can get up and down 17 easy. You get to that summertime, traffic, standing. So that to me is the hallmark of us. We're just like a tourist, we're a tourist village, except for Polly's, which is really trying to stay really, really small and some bits and pieces of um, Rosalind Surfside. Cool, I appreciate it. Can you consider the Grand Strand to be part of the low country? Or is that something different? Yeah, it's part of the low country. Grand Strand is just like, I call, that's like new, like I wasn't hearing about the Grand Strand until like radio stations started saying it in the 90s. I feel like it's a, I don't want to say a marketing ploy, but I, I feel like it's a marketing term. Um, sounds just, good. Like designate travel spaces. Got it. Cool. All right. So I appreciate each one of y'all being on today. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with me and continue on with this series. Uh, I'm going to let you close out. So I'll give everybody a couple seconds, a minute or so to, I don't know, rep your city, say what you got to say about the low country, Charleston, wherever you're from. What do you want people to know about where you're from? Hmm. I mean, Polly's is great. You know, you're not you're not about to go like you're not going to live it up when you go to Polly's. It's not lit. You're not gonna have like this extreme nightlife experience. But it is definitely uh, 
a gem, I think. And I recommend anybody go, if you haven't, um, you know, visit, take a, a short little weekend trip and, you know, chill out. It's, it's really nice. I really appreciate it a lot more now and having all my family in that area than I did before. And I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else. I, I, I'm, I'm, I completely agree. Um, I'll say that the low country, just in general, there's there's literally no place like it in the world. And I know everybody says that about wherever they may be from, but there really, there really, really, really isn't any place, I mean, that, that, that compares or comes close to it. Whether you be in Pauly's Island or you're in Buford or you in North Charleston or whatever, like I can, I can go to any of those places and feel comfortable and feel like I'm at home and feel welcome. You know, um, and there's the air, and ain't no place that got the air, that got the culture, that has anything that that we have there. It really is a really unique place, truly. Uh, I would just say, uh, this, I don't know, like, don't be afraid. Like, if you're from the low country, I know for me myself, like I said, it's it's one of those situations where you didn't really know what you had until you left out and saw what was going on around you. Don't be afraid to go out there and just be you and, and do the thing that, that you were, you know, raised up to do because so many people around the world could benefit just from the small little learning thing that we that we got from the low country. Um, the way we talk, the foods we eat, people will love it. So just bring that out there. Cool. <clears throat> Cool. Uh, as a health person, public health person, I got to put this out there, too. So in the terms of health outcomes, basically how healthy the counties are, uh, Buford is number one in the state. Charleston County is number five in the state. Georgetown County is number 23. And for health factors, basically all the things that contribute to overall health, Buford is number two overall. Charleston is three overall. Georgetown is 15. So uh that is from the Robert Robert Wood Johnson Foundation uh, County Health Rankings. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone who has listened thus far. Uh, it's crazy that y'all take the time to listen to me and I truly appreciate it. Uh, this is coming from someone who did not talk much growing up and now I'm hosting a show where I talk a lot. Uh, I hope to use this platform to educate, uh, to entertain, to inform, to bring awareness and much more. Uh, this has truly been something very exciting for me, and I'm glad y'all have stuck with me. Uh, we're over 1,200 listens on SoundCloud. Uh, our SE series is doing great numbers as well, so I really appreciate it. Uh, our first season is shortly coming to a close. Uh, we got this thing started back in November. Now we are 25 episodes in. By the time we close up, we'll probably be close to 30. So come end of June, I'll be taking a creative break. Uh, I want to take the time to make said talk better, uh, make the audio better, give you better features, give you better ideas, consistent social media presence, and much more. So uh, this is my baby. This is my thing. Uh, so I want to keep it rolling uh, and bring you great merch too as well. So uh, so I'll be taking that time to take a creative break, uh, mental break, and I'll also be working on some other projects as well. I do a lot of other things, uh, focusing on my nonprofit and other philanthropic work as well. So that will free up a couple months, but we'll likely be back in September as well. Maybe there's a football season and we can get back into that. So be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at said underscore talk. Click the link in the bio to listen to past episodes. Uh, be sure to cop some merchandise. All those proceeds go towards paying off my student loans and my nonprofit organization, Palmetto Pride Sports a low cross club and travel sports organization dedicated to minority youth who play sports with low minority representation. Uh, this includes baseball, softball, volleyball, lacrosse, soccer, and tennis. So if you're interested in making a donation, volunteering, sponsoring, or just being a part of that in any way, or want to learn more information, email me. I'm the founder and executive director. You can find me at smwarren1906 at outlook.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode, and thanks for listening. <laughs>